Hey friends, before we start the show, I wanted to introduce you guys to EM Media and Video. They are local to Philadelphia. They are great for filming video productions for commercials, and they do audio voiceovers for radio commercials as well, amongst a slew of other helpful promotional production needs. So if you want to reach out to them, call 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. Hey everyone, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like creating art, beautiful and messy, but uh, ultimately wonderful. That wasn't even a joke. I just wanted to say something nice about myself today. Um, Today on the show, we're talking about cynicism around selling and particularly those who create art. I wanted to create this episode as a way to try to abolish some of the cynicism around selling and uh, starting to embrace better money mindsets and uh, the the idea that we can create things and sell them and not feel bad about it. So that is what we're going to break down today on a dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. All right, friends, welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing okay. Hope you, the listener, are doing okay. I want to do a better job of just talking to one person. I'm not, I'm always like, hey guys, (laughs) hey everybody, there's like 12 people in this room. Actually, I can't, I can't do more than like four people in a group setting. I don't even think it's economical and smart to do it that way in terms of like personal energy. For me as an introvert, uh, more than four people is hard to manage. And I think it kind of invites the idea of splitting conversations and that that always feels wrong like I love I love being in a group where everyone's kind of talking about the same thing and really excited about a topic but when it kind of splinters it gets a little messy and then I just get distracted by the noises of the room and all of that stuff and it just becomes too much and uh some you know sometimes that's overwhelming for for people who are introverts in particular. And uh, I think sometimes uh, introverts have a really hard time uh, selling things, which kind of leads to our topic. And that was me reaching to try to get a segue, but whatever. Um, (laughs) We're going to talk about cynicism around selling. And I think this is uh, for artists in particular, maybe freelancers, but if you're trying to sell things that you've created uh, in an entrepreneur sense, uh, this is stuff that I've actively been working through also. And I think these are important reframes to consider as we go through this podcast to talk about why we maybe have an attachment to cynicism around selling and why it's holding us back. So I, I got a couple things that I've actually thought of and written down, which is kind of weird for me. Usually I'm just stream of consciousness and going, but I want to make sure I hit these points as I go through because I was in the shower and I just sometimes, okay, the way that I think, like, I think everyone has different voices in their heads. And for me, my voice is me in first person, but usually I'm teaching something to someone or I'm podcasting where I'm, I'm talking, I'm trying to explain a concept to someone. And 
through that explainer. It's kind of like a stand-up comedian testing uh, against a crowd, but I happen to be manufacturing the crowd in my head. And then I have to test it against reality, of course. But I, I'm sort of workshopping it in my head, talking about this topic to all sorts of different people. So that's kind of how my brain works for the record. I'm, not, I'm an INTP, so I'm curious if other INTPs actually do that. But um, that's the way my brain works. And the that's basically what usually leads to these podcast episodes is me talking about what is the thing that's been sticking out to me? What's What's in my head? What's the thing, right? And... Right now, that thing is cynicism around selling. And I've been selling for 18 plus years now, basically, uh, on and off in different ways and have used some of these skills uh, throughout my life. And there are some aspects that I'm still learning all the time. I'm kind of in the distribution sort of phase of learning how to do that better. I feel like I suck at that. Like I create a good product. And if I'm in the moment, like if I'm at a trade show or if I'm talking to someone, like I feel like I've got that down in terms of being able to sell someone on something without feeling sleazy and, um, you know, genuinely uh, having someone buy into the product without them feeling regrets or feeling anything like that. Right. So my dad is also, he's a salesman or has been, used to be a salesman. He's kind of inching towards doing more social media work and helping my mom with my mom's been flipping Airbnbs, which is like the coolest thing. Um, she's been wanting to do that for a very, very long time. So I'm super proud of her for doing that. And, um, you know, it's, it's really cool to see that. So he's supporting her in that and they're kind of uh, moving towards like sort of different things in their lives. But earlier, basically when I was a kid from as early as I can remember, my dad was a, was a sales guy and, um, you know, he's more of an emotional community building kind of salesperson. Like he, he was always the sales guy that would go to, uh, baseball games with people. And, uh, he knew how to wine and dine and take care of people and make sure that they're, they're considered and taken care of. Like that was basically that sort of old school version of selling is what people are trying to do online today. And, don't have the experience with, right? So my dad's been doing it for a very, very long time. So I've learned through emulating him. And, um, you know, through that process, you kind of just get used to, to doing it, right? And I think the hard part is that because today we're kind of living in this golden age of opportunity when it comes to social media and being able to reach out to people, that we are you know, in the same way that I'm emulating my dad, which was a good example of sales, other people are emulating sales that they've experienced, which are not always the best examples. They would see TV or billboards or the way that it's been done um, by other people, and they don't necessarily have a gauge for whether or not that's been successful. They've just been exposed to it because ultimately one of the topics we're going to talk about is good sales is seamless. And you're not going to have as much exposure to good sales when you've been sold on a product that you really love. It's just, it's automatic. It's already kind of like in the wavelength of what it is that you're already feeling and wanting and doing in your life. So you don't make note of that as much. We make note of the billboards. We make note of the TV commercials. We make note of the things that don't necessarily resonate with us because they're in our face and they actually have a negative connotation in our lives. And we embrace that. And now that it's time for a lot of us as individuals to start creating things and putting things out there and trying to gain attention and trying to get people to buy from us, we are just regurgitating those tactics because it's the only thing that we are consciously aware of. And it's really, really fascinating to think about it that way. That's basically my sort of take on it is that 
we are sort of regurgitating the conscious side of sales, which to a lot of us feels like the sleazy side of sales. So I'm going to kind of launch into some of these topics that I kind of uh, uh, have prepared uh, talking about um, cynicism around selling and trying to improve our mindset around it, because I think I think it's a challenge to to reframe these things, but they're also in a way very, very simple reframes. But I think it's hard to get to that logic. It's hard to subvert the natural cynicism that a lot of us have, because again, it's about ego protection. It's about making sure that we are, you know, safe from someone that's just trying to make us do something that we're not ready to do. And then now that it's our turn to sell, we're like, I don't want to do that to another person. I don't want to make them feel regret. I don't want to make them feel like they don't actually want this. I don't want to make, I don't want to feel like I'm forcing something on someone. And usually you get, uh, a type of person or a salesperson or an art, or I should, should say an artist who is at a trade show, for example, and they don't look up from the table. They're at the phone the whole time or they're drawing and they don't make connections with people because a, they feel like the art should sell themselves and which is not even remotely true. And B that, uh, that they don't have to do anything that, that if they did something, it was going to be, negatively impactful on them to say something about their work or to try to persuade anyone to buy their work because persuasion often equates to manipulation in a lot of our brains, which is not even remotely true. Persuasion is about increasing the odds, increasing the likelihood, the chances, the probability probability that someone is going to buy a product from you. And that's ultimately what selling is. So selling is not shoving a product down someone's throat and saying, and then taking money out of their wallet. Like that's not how that works. But for some reason, I think a lot of us have that perspective baked into us that that's what selling is. And that's not even remotely true. Selling is not manipulation. At least good selling is not manipulation. And good selling is not about just taking from someone. Good selling is about giving someone as many opportunities to buy from you as possible in a way that genuinely aligns with their life path. So again, good sales is seamless. And that's something that we're going to break down a little bit as we go along here. So um, I think the first reframe that we can kind of think about is the fact that many of us don't want to engage in selling or sales because capitalism. (laughs) Because we are, oh, there's a lot of cynicism around the concept of capitalism. The truth is, if you're living in America, at least, that uh, capitalism is what we are. <laughs> it's, it's the society that you are participating in. And you have reaped the benefits of it. And you continue to. And to have cynicism around contributing to capitalism is not helpful. Now, these are going to be harsher reframes. Sorry, I'm not flowery. That's just not what I do. Um, so I want you to think about that. Like capitalism is something that you have benefited from your entire life. Like you are not getting social checks in the mail, most likely from the government to pay your rent. You have to do things to pay rent. You go to a job, which is using capitalism to stay in business, or you are trying to sell art, which is the utilization of capitalism to try to make money. So often the difficulties that we have with selling is comes with the resistance of capitalism, of the notion of capitalism. And, uh, and I mean this in a small scale, like 
yeah, there are big picture issues when it comes to capitalism and companies taking advantage of people and all sorts of stuff like that. But these are things that are don't typically have a direct effect on you. And even so, that should not keep you from participating in capitalism. If anything, it should encourage you to do capitalism well. And the more that you do capitalism well, the more that you can encourage other people to do it well as well. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm talking about here is like you have the opportunity to utilize it and improve it. And I think for some reason we get this idea in our heads that there's a certain type of economic standard that has to exist for you know, it's, it's, it's one of those like one size fits all kind of things. Like you, we think that capitalism, a lot of people think capitalism is just the answer. A lot of people think socialism is just the answer. Some people think communism is the answer or communism, you know, may not have been done correctly yet in our lifetime. And it could eventually be the thing that actually works. Uh, you know, it could be socialism. It could be a mix of it all. I think ultimately it's yes. And it's some sort of mix of it all. But at the end of the day, we are living in a capitalistic society. That is the way that we get money and money being a tool, a resource to gain resources for ourselves so that we can eat, we can reproduce, we can have shelter, we can do all the things that humans need to do in our modern society <clears throat> to be a part of society and exist in it and be able to do our thing, right? <clears throat> so one of the challenges that that comes through that is, is just the, the general notion that, you know, capitalism's going to ruin us. And that's just not true at all. I needed to take a drink real quick. <clears throat> I haven't drank water yet today. So that's kind of a problem. Cause then we do a lot of talking. Um, so money in general, and, uh, this is sort of a tangent, but, uh, money in general is an important thing to start working on a personal mental reframe around because money is another thing that is often associated with evil, which evil, I don't think evil exists personally. Like we, those are storybook things like, stop it. <laughs> You're an adult. You can think about things in much more nuanced ways and money in itself is yes, it can be used for evil and it could be used for good and all of the things in between. So money is a tool. Money is not this thing. Money is arbitrary. Like money is not like, yes, we see money, we see dollars, but we have assigned a subjective value to these dollars and agreed as a society to have a social contract around what money is, right? So like money is just this arbitrary thing. So there's nothing wrong with collecting money. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with contributing. And ultimately, that's what it is you are contributing by selling. You are contributing to society. It's not about capitalism. It's not about being sleazy. It's about realizing that by contributing to society, like being in the wheel of reciprocity, which is something that my friend Antonia from Personality Hacker has kind of uh, made me think about, is like getting into sort of the cycle of reciprocity is your contribution to society. That's how you get in there. That's how you that's how wealth is generated. That's how you celebrate or, or sell things. That's how you are able to thrive as a person and grow as a person is by allowing yourself to get into the cycle of reciprocity. That's very, very important to think about. So 
two things so far. Capitalism is not evil inherently, and money is also not evil inherently. It's not good inherently, and it's not good in, in neither sense, because good and evil are just storybook things. Like, this is all nuanced, and you have to think about what it means to you and this tool that you use for yourself. And the tool that you use for yourself does not reflect negatively on you as a person. You are making assumptions about that, and I would hope that you would, you know, move away from that. That would, that would be really, really important for your growth. So, and I apologize, I'm being a little bit stern here, but I think that's really important to think about. And I'm also teaching myself in this process too. Like the reason that I teach people things and I talk about things on podcasts and like do the whole thing in my head where I'm teaching someone something is because that is the way that I learn also. So a lot of these things I'm sort of drilling into my head, like recently, the money mindset stuff is something that I'm drilling into my head. Like money is just a resource for me to pay rent, for me to get food, for me to whatever. And for me to gain resource is not a bad thing. I need to do that, right? And I'm doing it on my own esteem. So I need to be willing to sell to do that. And being willing to sell means that in most cases as a freelancer or an entrepreneur of some sort, um, particularly an artist, someone that's sitting at a table or trying to sell your prints or trying to sell your, your paintings or something like that. You are a person that's in, in a sense, you are selling yourself. And unless you have a salesperson that is selling for you, you are selling, you are the salesperson. Like that is not up for debate. <laughs> you are the salesperson. You are either good at it or you are bad at it. And I mean, all the nuance in between, but at the end of the day, you are the salesperson that is not debatable. And that's something that is a role that I think is very important for you to rest into. Think about it in and I think I think one of the things that uh, that makes that feel icky is so we think about politicians as salespeople, or we think of salespeople as politicians in kind of like the same sort of space. And there's just not a lot of love for politicians. But politicians are probably a really, really great example of people who need to sell themselves to the public very intensely for a long period of time. And sometimes there are sleazy politicians who end up tricking the entire country into voting for them, even though they're not qualified for the job. Or there are people who might be qualified for the job, but they refuse to be a good salesperson and sell themselves so they don't get anywhere. Right. So there's multiple. It's a, it's a complex spectrum. Right. And the goal for you is to be a good person who sells good stuff and tells a good story and is increasing the probab probability <laughs> of, of of someone buying your work because they believe in you, because they believe in the work and not because they feel like they were tricked into it or forced into it. Because ultimately, that's not even remotely what you're doing. When you're voting for someone, you are making a choice. When someone picks up your pin from the table, they are making a choice to look at it. They are making a choice to purchase it. At every stage of the game, again, unless you're one of those guys at a kiosk that is trying to put perfume in your face and say like, hey, can you smell this? Can you try this? You want to give it a shot? You want to like, you want to buy it? You want to put it in your pocket? You want to smell it? You want to give it to your girlfriend? You want to, you want to do weird things? Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's obnoxious. That is trying to sell, that is trying to force an idea onto someone. And I think fundamentally, 
what politicians can do really well. When a politician is really, really good at what they do, they are not interested in trying to coerce or force a brain to do what it is not ready to do. As much as we have a ton of cynicism around Donald Trump and him becoming president, he was able to tap into the current mindset of a lot of people in this country and become exciting or become interesting to them and be able to capture their attention and ultimately sold himself to the country. Right. And while we don't agree that he was able to do that in honest terms, he was not necessarily, I don't think that he was doing it on honest terms. That is my personal opinion. Um, that it is uh, a tricky situation in looking to that as an example, right? <laughs> Cause I think Donald Trump represents a lot of what people don't like about selling, right? Trying to force an idea that he does not, you know, you think about some of the stuff that, that he's tried to push in the past, like Trump stakes or an airline or uh, a college and stuff like that, or any of those things that he was genuinely passionate about. No, who knows? Like real estate is probably the only thing he's been successful in. And that seems to be the thing he's like, actually genuinely interested in, you know, and everything else didn't work because it feels sleazy. And he was able to, and, and, uh, him becoming president just happened to tap into some of the ideas that people were already on board with. Right. So that's the tricky thing, right? <laughs> it's like, it's not about, it's not about the ethical side of things. It's about making sure that you are like, it's not like Donald Trump tricked people to vote who weren't prepared to vote for him, right? Like he didn't trick them necessarily. He just said what, um, he just said what he felt they wanted to hear, right? <laughs> and it just happened to be not honest, you know, and that was not great. So, but the difference is that you as a person who was trying to sell behind a table is that you are telling your honest story, most likely. And I think we get tripped up because we don't want to be this dishonest person. We don't want to be manipulative and telling a story uh, as to why you made a product or why you made a painting or why this is important to you is not manipulating people. It's not tricking them. You know, like no one told anyone to go to the polls and pick Donald Trump. No one told them to do that. They took all the information that they had and then they made the choice. And it's the same thing with you as an artist. And I'm sorry to compare you to Donald Trump, <laughs> but it's also an important thing for you to let go of that you are already comparing yourself to sleazy, quote unquote, salesmen or sleazy politicians before you even had a chance to try selling something. And I think that is important for you to consider as you move forward in, in attempting to, to sell things, right? Letting go of this comparison to yourself as a politician in the negative context or a salesperson in the negative context, you know, you're not disrupting people. You're not trying to, uh, uh, let me, let me go back to the Donald Trump example, because I feel like I didn't paint the right picture. He did not coerce people to do something they were not ready to do. I know I've said that already, but he, he is some, he's a good in-person salesman in that way. That's why he would go to rallies and like ride off of the energy of people and things that they were already attuned to and attached to. Right. And you know, the conviction of whether or not he believes those things are questionable, 
That's the manipulation part of it. But you as an artist, someone that is trying to sell something that you've genuinely believed in and genuinely created and genuinely have a passion for, like, why wouldn't someone believe in you? Unless it was not ready, they were not ready in their minds to buy this thing. Maybe they have all sorts of nodes in their system that have led them to think about whether or not this is something that they need in their life right now, whether or not they have the money for this right now. Maybe they're just looking around. Maybe they need a social, uh, an, a social invitation to buy it. Maybe they need like their friend to come over and like agree that, Hey, yeah, this is great. Maybe that's the thing that's going to coerce them. Or maybe they need you to talk to them and maybe they need you to tell your story. Right. And every single thing that you add to the equation is about adding things to the equation that allow for the increased probability of the sale. Right. And that's really the idea here. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the final concept, which is all about good sales being seamless. So I want you to think about the probability aspect of all of this, like the probability aspect of all of this is really the thing that I think is going to be the most important reframe that you are not tricking a brain into buying something from you. I think for some reason we are convinced that we can trick a brain into doing something that it doesn't want to do. And I just simply don't think that's possible. It isn't possible. Yes, you can psychologically coerce someone over a period of time. But in a moment when someone comes up to your table and you say, hey, this pin is really great. Do you want to buy it? If they're not primed and ready because of the other nodes in their system or because of a story that you told them or because of something else, just because you mentioned that this thing exists doesn't mean that they're going to you are tricking them into buying it. Right. So good sales is seamless. And I want you to think about the next time that you buy something, the next time you're excited about something, think about why that is. Why are you excited about this thing that you just bought? Why are you excited about taking this thing home or putting a pin on your jacket or putting it on your backpack or buying a piece of art, putting it on your wall? What is it about about it that sold you? Is it because you had a family member that was linked to the idea of this thing. Maybe you had uh, something in your past that made this thing supercharged in your life. And suddenly you saw it and you were like, I need to have that. Was it the person that was buying it or that was selling it? Was it, um, you know, what, what are the possibilities? Was it the color choices? Was it the geometric uh, patterns? Was it just the overall look, right? Do you feel like the product sold itself? Or are there other things that have sold it? Because most likely it's other things that have sold it. You know, it's it, products don't sell themselves. You can't just create something and hope that someone's going to buy it. That's just not going to work. You know, you've got to be a salesperson because you are. I'm, I need to reiterate that. You are a salesperson. If you're creating art and attempting to sell it, you are a salesperson. Unless you have a salesperson, you are a salesperson, right? So, so stop it. Stop thinking you're not because you are. You're here. Now you got to figure out how to be a good one, right? And good sales is seamless. So I want to think, I want you to think about all of the times that you have bought something that you were really excited about. And it was typically because 
especially these days, is because it was someone that you trusted, someone that you appreciated, someone that you liked their work, someone that you liked the story behind the work, or it told a cultural story, or it matched culture, or it had something to do with the culture that you appreciate, or uh, something in your past, something with your family, something that gave you uh, social affirmation, something that gave you an invitation to buy it. And I think most of the time we let go of the idea that that a lot of people need an invitation to be welcomed into an environment or into a space. So what do you think about that when you are, if you're selling at a shop or you're selling at a, um, an event of some kind, you have a table set up and that sort of thing. I want you to think about how your table is set up and how people move through spaces, right? Like when the choices that you are making as a salesperson to try to make a sale that goes into every little thing that you do. That means where you position the table, how you position the stuff on the table, what you put at the front versus what you put in the back, where you put yourself, how people can access to you, like how easy, how easy is it for someone to walk up to, um, to a space? Is there something obstructing them? Did you put a carpet on the floor that makes them feel welcome or not welcome? Right. Is there something on the sides that is obstructing view from a distance? Is there a light that is going to shine on something that might catch someone's attention from afar, from far away? Are you willing as the person behind the table to say hello and welcome someone into the space? Because that's something that you need to think about as a salesperson also, that you need to be welcoming. You need to be, you know, you need to let people know that you are safe. And that's probably one of the first reasons someone might buy something or even go into a store. They feel that it's safe and that they can do some purchasing and they can look around and they don't feel pressure to buy. But you are still watching. You are paying attention and you are looking for the opportunities. Someone picks something up and they're looking at it. They're turning around. They look at their friend. They like make a comment about it like, oh, this is really great. And they're kind of holding on to it when they're clutching it a little bit. But they're like they're having this like internal struggle. What you can do is increase the probability of them potentially buying that by saying, you know, telling them a little bit of the story. Like somebody picks up like a Rochester pin that's like a pride pin or something like that. And you say like, yeah, I really love that design. That was really great. Um, I made that when I was trying to uh, come out to my family and I was like trying to come up with a way to express the challenges of that. And I wanted to wear this and keep this for myself. You can show it if you have it on your jacket or something like that. I wanted to wear this and have this for myself as a consistent reminder of, you know, the challenges that I've gone through and, uh, you know, that I, I made this and wanted to put this out here to sell because I want to see if other people would be, um, would, would love to, you know, share their story or, um, be able to show some pride in, in, in my story or whatever the case may be. Right. And that, and again, it's not about you coercing, like that might not sell them, but you're increasing the odds. You're increasing the probability by acknowledging them, by smiling at them, by talking to them, by telling the story. You are increasing the odds that this is going to happen. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they have a choice. And you have to remember that no matter how much coercion that you make, no matter how much you, uh, I don't want to say the word push because you're not pushing, but no matter how much you try to mention things or tell a story or try to help someone through the natural wavelength of them trying to get to the point of a sale, you are ultimately leaving the decision up to them. Like you, again, you're not taking money out of their wallet. They're making the choice to buy from you, right? So as long as they feel 
like the process is seamless, as long as they feel like they are making a choice, as long as they feel that this thing is going to give them value and improve their life in some way, you are contributing to the cycle of reciprocity and you are continuing to make stuff and sell stuff. Like that's so, so important to, to think about, you know, that good selling is seamless and it's about connecting and telling stories. And I, I think at the end of the day, that is what feels good for people. Because people like buying stuff, right? Like, again, money is a tool. And there's a lot of cynicism, again, around capitalism, around politicians, around uh, selling things, around the idea of selling yourself, around being a salesman, right? Like, let go of all of those old connotations. If you are someone that is selling art, you are a salesman. So embrace it. It's a positive word. It's a good thing. It's fine. You are good at this. You can do what you, you can do your thing. If you know your craft, you can sell your craft, right? And if you can't sell your craft, then, you know, work on it, practice it, you know, figure out how to talk to people about it. Go to situations where you're not in a sales situation and learn how to talk about your stuff and be able to tell people what it is and tell your story, right? And if you are making things that don't have somewhat of a story attached or that you don't believe in then that can start to feel a little sleazy. That can be manipulative. There was a guy that I was at a San Diego Comic-Con and I don't know if he was actually being sleazy, but at the end of the day, I heard him, I, I went to his booth and he had these black and white prints of um, superheroes and he would just color in the eyes or he would color in one color, one section. And he was just talking to a guy. I overheard him at the end of the table he was telling a guy about it. He was like, yeah, I just print these out and I just fill in a collar and like the nerds eat it up. And I'm like, that sucks. If I, if any of the nerds heard that they would never buy from him. Right. <laughs> like that sucks. And the truth is there are going to be sleazy people out there and there are going to be people who are just selling just to sell. And that's fine too. Again, it's a spectrum. People are going to sell things. They're not going to sell things in the ways that they can or cannot. And what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta try a little something and see how it goes. Right. And I think you just need to detach the idea of being sleazy from the equation. Someone like that, like that's probably going to catch up to him at some point. Right. Someone's going to overhear that. And just as much as you can create probabilities for yourself to gain a sale, you can, you can create probabilities for you to lose sales. And that means those situations where you're trying to be pushy, if you're trying to push someone to buy because you're desperate or you're just all you're doing on social media is sharing your link to your thing and you're not talking about the thing or you're not providing some sort of value or for some reason to like you or to tell even what your story is remotely. Right. You don't like people like this podcast because I talk about myself. I talk about the things that I know. I, I talk about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I sell things. Sure. But <clears throat> I'm not convinced or interested rather in trying to make someone buy something that they're not ready to buy. Like I sell courses, I sell, um, services, I sell all sorts of things. And if, if someone, if I were to promote, if I email someone about a service that I have, if I say like, Hey, you've got this event coming up, I'd love to do a vid 60 for it. Um, 
you know, I think it'd be really great to capture the crowd and get a feel for it and stuff like that. And if they come back to me and they say like, oh, we're not going to do it right now. We don't have the money or whatever. I can't email them back and say like, what do you mean you don't have the money? <laughs> you know, like, no, it's just like, it is what it is. It's about being accepting and then moving on to the next thing. Right. And I think the the last thing to really think about is not attaching yourself to this idea that you're a failure because you don't sell something. And I think it's not like you jump out of the shower and you're just like, I didn't sell something. You just like lift your head up from the bowl of cereal. I didn't sell something. <laughs> like you're done podcasting. You're like, oh, I didn't sell something. It's about, again, increasing probabilities, increasing, increasing the chances that someone might buy something and being excited when someone does buy something, right? And understanding that there are nodes in someone's system that may or may not make them buy something, right? Again, you don't know someone's economic situation. You don't know their mental situation. You don't know their social situation. Someone might not buy something because they think their wife might not like that if they, that they bought something without their permission. That happens. The, you know, they, there's, uh, or their mother or, you know, someone else who is either in the room or uh, something to that effect, right? That happens. That's a thing. And that has nothing to do with the quality of your product or uh, the quality of your selling. You know, it's again, it's like it's this it's this balance between understanding the notion that people much of the time are coming to you prepared to buy or not prepared to buy. There are things that you cannot change and there are things that you can change and looking for the tells through experience by paying attention of where those opportunities are to continue to tell your story, to share who you are, to share the meaning behind your product, why they should have it and why it's important to them. And, uh, you know, continuing to put that out there because you can't just sit at the table and not say anything. If you sit at the table and not say anything, then you're at the whim of someone else's brain in its entirety. And the best that you can do is at least try to give them a little bit of something to work with to put it in their mind soup kitchen and stir that pot so that they can figure out whether or not this thing is actually good for them. Cause that's another thing too. People are going to show up to a table and they could make assumptions about your product. If you don't say anything about it, right? Like you can walk up to a table and pick up like a Rochester pin and they could in their head be like, oh, it's another Rochester pin or, you know, this person doesn't actually believe in this or this person doesn't look gay. Like, why are they selling a flag pin? Why are they doing this pride thing? Like, they don't believe in this. And the best that you could do is tell your story. And so that they can be like, oh, OK, well, this person does believe in this and this is part of their story. And I believe this and this is great. Right. So you, you got to speak up. You got to say something about what it is that you offer and why it's valuable and why it's important and particularly why it's important for this person who's listening who's there, who's standing in front of your table, ready to buy from you. All you need to do is speak up, right? So, okay. So there's, if I could sum it all up, there's really three things to consider. That a brain is not ready to do what it's not ready to do. You can't convince anyone to do anything. As much as you think you're trying to convince someone, you're not convincing them of anything. So that essentially means that you can't, it kind of leads to the other two things, which is like, you can't be too pushy. So 
you can't, you literally can't be too pushy. Um, and I'm not encouraging you to be pushy, but I mean, like you can't make someone buy something. So don't try to force it into their face. And second of all, people come to the table wanting to buy already. They show up, uh, commenting on your stuff or they, if they are, um, you know, liking your stuff or, or showing up to your page or signing up for your email list. Like there's something about you that they liked and they are kind of just waiting for the opportunity. They're scanning the table. They're looking for the thing that resonates with them. And as you see them resonating with something then you pick it up and you capture it. Right. And you tell them like, Hey, this is, uh, this is the story. This is what this means. And you continue to just give them the opportunity to make the decision themselves. So, um, I said that there were three things. Um, so actually what I mean by those three things is to think about the th- what we talked about in this conversation so far, which is capitalism, politicians, and good selling is seamless. So participate, Partici- participate in capitalism. This is like part of your society. This is how you get into the cycle of reciprocity. And I think a lot of people have cynicism around capitalism because they are not in that wheel of reciprocity. As far as you're concerned, everyone else is making money and you are not. And then the second one is politicians and the notion that selling yourself makes you some sort of a politician or a sleazy salesman. And ultimately, inherently, if you are an artist, if you're someone that is creating something or selling something or you're a freelancer, you are a salesperson. Unless you have a salesperson, you are a salesperson that is not debatable. So as you know, it's up to you to find ways to feel good about that, right? And then the third one is good selling is seamless. So make a conscious effort to be aware of the times that someone has sold you on something that you appreciate something. And those are going to be the nuggets of information that are going to lead you to being able to be, be able to sell better things, you know, or to sell, to sell better rather. And that means when you go to trade shows, like, what made you pick something up from the table? What is it about this person that made you buy it? If you bought something online, what was it about this product that made you buy it? If you go to Starbucks and you buy a coffee, what is it about Starbucks that made you buy it? Is it the brand? Is it the people? Is it the atmosphere? Is it the coffee? Is it the $5 you spent on it? <laughs> you know, it's what is it, you know? Is it the premium? I mean, honestly, like I joke about the $5 thing, but some people feel better paying $5 for coffee because it makes them feel good to feel like they can do it. And they feel like they're a part of like this elite club of people that can afford to go to Starbucks all the time. Right. There's, there's just emotions and feelings involved. Like this is just really real stuff. Right. So be aware of that. Um, so think about that for yourself, try to break it down. You know, the next time that you are attracted to buy something, break it down and realize that basically what the person did to sell you on something was that they, they hopped on your wavelength. You were already on this path and they just happened to be resonating with it. You guys clicked, you bought the thing, you like it and you move forward. And sometimes you attach to this person and you buy more stuff from them in the future because you like this person or you trust this brand or you trust this idea. And really it's, again, it's about, not again, cause I didn't mention it, but no like, and trust is like, the biggest selling things that you can think about. So think about money just being a tool. Think about selling as persuasion, but not manipulation. Cause there's a bit of a persuasive element to it. You got to be a little bit charismatic, um, but you're not manipulating someone. You're not tricking something into doing something that they're not ready to do. You're not making them do make an irresponsible choice. 
and um you know that uh you know good selling is seamless so that's that's the thing good selling is seamless that's over and over again good selling is seamless so you gotta look for the seams you gotta look for what it is that made you buy the thing in the first place make note of that and go forth and conquer because you deserve it you're an artist you're creating stuff you're selling stuff like you deserve to make things you deserve to make a living off of that right? You're, you're a human being that's contributing to the world. I think of creativity as something that we are using as a means to give back to the universe, right? Because the world gives us so much It gives us our life, gives us our ability to exist. And as much as we can get cynical about all of those things that are in existence, the sheer fact that we get to exist is amazing in itself. And it, I think it honestly trumps anything else that we have to experience in our lives that could potentially be cynical. So use a little optimism. It's totally cool. You're allowed. I'm not going to judge you. That's fine. All right. We're going to wrap up. <laughs> I feel like I've been a little snarky. I apologize, but I feel like, uh, you know, it, it's really helpful to kind of drill into my brain and your brain that like, it's okay to make money. It's okay to sell things. Like it, it, like if you are an artist that is just trying, if you're, if you're an artist that is so attached to your work, that's just like, I'm just making to make it. And like, you know, someone buys it, whatever. It's just like, well, then you have a hobby. You're not a selling per You're not selling. You have a hobby, right? So if you're actively trying to sell and make a career out of this, then you got to put some damn effort into it. Stop dicking around. You can do this. I believe in you. All right. So <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, this is a topic that I was just literally thinking about in the shower. I didn't know what I was going to talk about today. So I'm glad that I did it. I think this is really valuable and important. So take this with you as you go forth into the world and conquer. Um, and if you want to buy something from me, you can go to patreon.com slash dopamine and leave a, uh, as little as a $1 donation to get these episodes, um, unedited and, and you know as i hit goals and stuff i'll put some i'll do some additional bonus content but uh you know support is appreciated if you go there patreon.com slash dopamine and i also have a course called cosmic calibration which is for intps or anyone trying to access uh, a state of play and letting go and openness and oneness with the universe and themselves. It's a little bit woo woo, but it's mostly logical deduction and reframing around, uh, INTPs kind of letting go of just being cold and logical and opening up to context and ideas and gratitude and appreciating your existence. Like it's, really amazing to reframe your brain to feel that and think that all the time and uh, just really appreciate your life and let go of again trying to tell a brain to do what it's not ready to do because a lot of INTPs we like to do that so um, if we can let go of that we can have a much better existence for ourselves and the people that we interact with so uh, that's it for the show if you want to go to bit.ly slash cosmic INTP all lowercase that is where you can go check that out so that's it rating and review all that good stuff I would appreciate uh, some love if you really think someone needs this if you have an artist friend in your life a son a daughter a friend uh, brother sister mother father that is trying to do something rad co-worker uh, do something rad around selling and uh, needs a couple of mental reframes a little bit of a pep talk from c-note and send them to this episode and um, hopefully we can help them out so that's it take care of yourselves and each other and i'll catch you next time on dopamine see you guys
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. This has been a C-Note Media Production. Just a reminder for you guys to go check out EM Media and Video by calling 267-528-7890. They are a way for you to do cheap commercial production uh, for video and for audio. They do voiceovers and can help you get into the market. So they primarily work in Philadelphia, but they can help you anywhere across the country. So again, 267-528-7890 to get your quote today. See you guys. Thank you.